0: Hey everybody, thank you for joining us on the Gold Street Garden Podcast. This is Pastor Dominic. Today's episode features a message entitled, The Prayer He Desires. Jesus paid such a high price that we could stand before God the Father unashamed and have fellowship and communion with him, that we could bring the requests that burn deep in our hearts before him and to discover the beauty of his matchless love for us. The triune matrimony of the Godhead, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all to be experienced knowing their individual roles and expressions in prayer. This message is going to bring great enrichment and experiential knowledge to your prayer life. I pray that you would be blessed by this teaching. We love you all. God bless. Jesus, are you all doing good? Come on. You know, one of the shortest prayers in the Bible, does anybody know one of the shortest prayers in the Bible? Well, it's not necessarily a prayer, but it is a short of scripture. But yes, he was in a sense, the shortest prayer was uh, Peter when he was sinking, when he was walking and it was, Lord, save me. Shortest prayer, Lord, save me. And if you've read your Bible, did you know that Jesus answered that prayer? Did he answer that prayer? He was sinking, and Jesus pulled him up even in the midst of failure, in the midst of going after Jesus, walking after Jesus, keeping his eyes on Jesus, walking on the water. He said, Lord, save me. And the shortest prayer was answered because all of his heart was in that prayer. That so many times we, we distinguish prayer based off how elegant or who's saying it or what that is, but I, I really want you all to know that it's when we put all of our heart in prayer. It's when we, we truly become as vulnerable as possible before the Lord that he hears us. And I, I, I get really, I get concerned when i when i see that even in church the way that we kind of look at different things and this has been going off in my heart since the conference the lord really said that you know one of the biggest problems we're facing in america when it comes to church and people growing in the lord is instead of building altars we've built stages and a stage is where what we exalt man America's got talent. Let's see what you got. You know, let's all, and let's exalt man when the truth is that an altar is where we come to what? To lay ourselves down, to exalt him, to have him be everything. And everything that we've gone through the past couple weeks together as a body has been so precious. All the way from each speaker coming in and depositing something in our body, something so precious, something that. That that you have to realize that even times we can be jealous of somebody's season of harvest but have zero reverence for their season of sowing. That you could get jealous of somebody's harvest but you have no reverence to the time that they've sown. You know, when I hear speakers come in and the people that we've invited to come to speak into the body, you know what? I listen, I'm like, wow, that's so amazing. And I hear their hearts. But you know what I hear more than anything? Is I hear what they've sowed. I've, I hear people that have, have, have taken time to be alone with God. And that it wasn't about trying to build a platform. It wasn't trying to build. But it was people that have gotten alone with God over and over again. And Jesus even shows us through his earthly ministry did you know if Jesus wanted to be super popular, he could have done it like that? The, one of the things that amazes me about Jesus isn't all the things that he did, even though they're amazing. You know what amazes me even more than what he did? What he choose not to do. He's God. He could do whatever he wanted to, but he restrained himself because he loved. His love kept him on the cross. His love kept him from just going off at people. His love kept him there. And I'm asking you, is love keeping you in the secret place? Is love keeping you consistent, staying in a body of fellowship? Is love keeping you or are you choosing not to, even when God used in all of his power, said, this is what I'm going to submit myself to? And Jesus could have been as popular as he wanted to be. And every time things got more busy during the day, he would get alone more with the Father. And there's a problem in American society is that the more successful you get, you say, I don't have time. But the more you do apart from the presence of God, you train yourself in pride. The more successful you get without intimacy the more you will just, you'll take it on and you'll build a little pride machine saying that I'll just pray when I have a chance or I'll go when I have the chance. This is my, I'm on a successful roller coaster right now and I've realized that I did that with God, but now I'm okay. This is why there will be cycles of people that flow through the body of Christ. Some people that are going through a lot and they just come in just because they're going through a tough time. And then there are some people that it doesn't matter what is going on. I have to be at the feet of Jesus, and I have to love, and I have to be there even when nobody else is. And when we were worshiping tonight, I was thinking about David. And when we, we talked about this a little while ago, but when David became king in the natural, you know, he was anointed king as a young boy. Could you imagine if one of our children were told you're going to be king soon. They would, you know, it'd be like, all right, you're going to start listening to me. You're going to start. You're going to start listening to what I. Like he was told he was going to be king at a young age, and it didn't manifest in the natural till 20 years later. Till like he had to go through a lot of things. And what's even crazier is that, did you know? And I was talking to Charles about this at Experience Community that we were talking. And when David, his his like when he. When he became known by everybody, he became known by everybody because there was a giant that was talking a whole bunch of smack about God. And all these soldiers of Israel's army, they were intimidated by this giant. But because David was alone with the Lord all the time, soon as he heard somebody talk about his God and hold God's people captive... He had been alone in training. Nobody was training him to swing a sword. Nobody was training him how to be king. He was alone with God, tending sheep, just being honorable. When nobody was around, he would sing to God. We've talked about this. There's a lot of people that get excited at a conference, but I, I challenge you. If your greatest moments are in a conference and not alone at home with him, there's problems. Because if you're waiting for the next conference, you will get destroyed before then. but if you just get alone with him, and David, as he's training, all of a sudden, he just shows up to bring some some uh, grilled cheeses to his brothers at the army, just listening to his father what he uh, not listening to he was listening to Almighty God, but his natural father told him to take some cheese and bread to his brothers. He goes there and hears the enemy speaking, and he just says why are we letting him talk this way? It wasn't like, hey everybody look at me, I've been training, I'm about to be king. He just heard something that didn't register the way that it was registering with everybody else. And I'm here to challenge you tonight. Is this happening to us? Are we getting alone with the Lord and we just see the world and we're like, no. This is not the way it needs to go. But I don't need everybody to see me. I need everybody to see him. So I need to get alone more and I need to allow this to happen. This is why when we come together, we strengthen one another, we sharpen one another, and we challenge each other. And I look out and I see, like Mario, I see people, I see Jeff and Yvette, I see people that are growing in Alexis, people that you just keep seeing, you see the twinkle in their eye, you see people growing in the Lord, and that is what is so valuable that we come together and we see that growth. And I want us to be able to steward what took place because if we just live off little highs or live off these things, it's going to be very dangerous. And we need to learn to make sure we're building altars, not stages, even for ourselves. And when David heard that, he immediately challenged it And even when everybody else told him, you probably shouldn't do this or you're not big enough, it didn't stop him because he was convinced that this is not the way it's supposed to be. And you know, when Jesus, one of the things we forget, but there's a word that is so precious that when he performed a lot of his miracles, it said what? He was moved with what? Compassion. Something about compassion only is birthed in prayer, that what compassion truly is is that you are so burdened with the absence of what God desires happening, that you're so moved to become what God wants. That you cannot stand to see people around you not know him. You can't stand to see cities. You can't stand to hear. When you hear human trafficking, you see, we hear so much because of the news. We all have access to bad news all the time, so you actually become familiar with it. You begin to tolerate it, but I'm here to challenge that the things that we're hearing in our community, in our neighborhood, it should, it should propel us into compassion. And before we went through all this swirl with everything going on, we were talking through the book of James. And tonight, I'm at a war within myself, so we're doing both because of the way that this has landed But I want everybody to say this because this is what's on my heart for tonight, but it actually co-aligns with the the closing section of James, so it's going to work out. If everybody could say this, the prayer prayer. he desires. desires. Say it again, the prayer prayer. he he desires. I'm telling you all. God is moving this body. And moving upon his body to get to such a place in prayer. That we no longer pray from our situation in life. But we pray from our position in Christ. We're not overwhelmed with our situation. Begging God to save us from the situation we're in. But we're starting to realize our position in him. That prayer is... Prayer is the journey of discovering the heart of God, not you tracking your package order. So many times in prayer, God, it's not here yet. God, it's not here. Instead of realizing that everything, everything we need is in this fellowship. I, and I pray, I, I, we've even, and I, I'm just being real, we've even had people that when they watch online, we've had people criticize that when people are ministering, that they're ministering just from a drama or just trying to work something up. I'm here to tell you that the more that you, you go to a place in Him in prayer, and I, this is why I really feel led to teach on this tonight because I feel like we are missing this mystery, this, this marvelous invitation we have in prayer, and the prayer that He desires Involves the entire Godhead. And I want everybody here to know we believe in God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a power or a force, He is equally part of the Trinity. He is part of the Godhead. And you can't have effective prayer without knowing the role of all three. You can't. You cannot. And I want to go through a few things with you tonight to help. Bring your prayer life to an experiential realm that is addicting, intoxicating. And that's what's so crazy about God, right? Is that one taste of Him fully satisfies you and frustrates you at the same time. And the re- hear me out. I'm using, um, the reason it frustrates you is because I have to have more, but I'm fully satisfied. Like, God, this is amazing, but I need more. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like literally, He, he gives you this taste of, of who he is, and you start realizing, before we started Gold Street Garden, I, I, I was sharing this uh, when with Corey Russell when, when he was here. He was asking about the vision when we were talking. It just, I was reminded of, you know, six months before we started Gold Street Garden, the Lord, the Lord met me in my, my office, which is a secret place to me, and I had been I want you to hear this cuz this has happened to a lot of people. The most dangerous thing you can do is serve the Lord without the Lord. It's called religion. It's called it's called serving the Lord without the Lord is the most meaningless thing you could do cuz I'm just here to tell you if he has changed my heart if this isn't real I'll go right back to the bars. I'll go right back to drugs because I'd rather experience something than play fake church. Is anybody with me on that? I'd rather, if this is all fake, I'd rather experience the world all four. But I'm here to tell you, this is, it's something real. And even though I knew the Lord at that time and I was growing in the Lord and this is six months before we started this church. I had served, my wife and I had served in churches for years, done so much, seen so many amazing things. And we knew the Lord, but all of a sudden, I had this awakening. And I remember that I cried for six hours from 12 till 6 in the morning. And I didn't, I, I, it started out crying, and I, I believed pride was leaving me as my tears were coming out but all of a sudden i you know what my prayer became is i said god i don't know if i'll always have what it takes to say yes to you has anybody ever been there before that you you want to you know you come to an altar you feel the you feel the fire of god or maybe you've been a time you're like i'll always say yes but then prices start you start you start to realize what he's what he's asking and all, like and I, I, we're going to get to a few things tonight. Like, I, I want you all to know that gas prices right now, like, we, I understand that there are families that are suffering, even in this body, and we need to be praying for one another. We need to be, we, we need to be seeing that just because you may be coasting or going through things really well, there are people that are really, really getting, you know, destroyed by what is happening around us, but it's the consequences of man. It's the consequences of a lot, but we have to. And back to when I was alone with the Lord, I kept saying, God, I don't know if I have what it takes to say yes to you. Do you and the Lord, I, I, this came up in me and caused me, this was like three hours in, and this is why it went three more hours of just joy. Is because he said, he said, if you come after me, I'll authenticate your yes. And it was all I kept, and it it was the fact that I'm trying to figure out how to say yes, but he's saying, if you just come after me, I'll make your yes excellent. I'll make your yes great. Even when you don't think you have everything to say yes, I'll make it great. I'll show you. And it kept burning and burning in me, but I, I want people to know that Jesus didn't try to be an entertaining speaker He only wanted to represent the Father. In fact, he said, i only say what the Father tells me to say. Whether it's entertaining or not, that is not what it's about. It's about how can I be the best representation of him when people talk to me, when I share the word. I take this so seriously. This is why there's sometimes, like even before I minister, Even all the way up to this time, I still have to get so before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't ever want this to be a performance. It has to be your presence. It has to be. Because that's the only thing that changes people. People can hear a good message and maybe do okay for a day or, or two. But if people don't encounter him, that's what we're here for. That's what it's all about. So... When it comes to the prayer that he desires, it says, I wanted to just, a few things, even from what's been going on, is that, thank you, sweetheart, <laughs> is that uh, uh, during the conference, we were really going through the book of Ephesians, whether you knew it or not. <laughs> and uh, Ephesians three nineteen, you know, says this, it says to know the love of Christ, which Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 is a pinnacle of prayer. You have to understand that Paul is being inspired by the Holy Spirit to pray this over the saints. And what he's, and the peak of that prayer is it says that we would know the love of Christ, which surpasses understanding. What does that mean? That means I could get up here and talk to you all night about what God's done for me, but it's this word that it's not about, because Jesus is the word, it's not about comprehending this thing. You don't have to comprehend food in order for it to be nutritious to you. You just have to get it in you. Faith comes by hearing, and what? Hearing by the word of God, Romans ten seventeen. Sometimes you might not feel like anything's happening, but if you're really just saying, I submit to hear this tonight, I just want this to go in me, to get in me. And when it says to know the love of Christ, which surpasses understanding, is to be filled with the fullness of God. How many people want the fullness of God? Now, now let me ask you the next question. Do you think that that's possible? The question, like I'm like, how is that even possible? But guess what the next verse is? Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. Now let me say something about the Trinity, the Godhead, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I heard this one time and it really stuck with me. Sometimes people have a hard time understanding how can they be three in one. And a practical example is just like water. You have three different forms, but it's the same thing. You can have liquid, you can have ice, you can have gas. It's still one, but it has different expressions that come about. Now even beyond that, in our prayer life, I want you to understand that God is the source of prayer. How do we know that? Because when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, what did he say? Pray our Father. So who are we praying to? Praying to God. Now, he is the source of prayer. Jesus is the course of prayer. What do I mean by that? That the only reason you can talk to God is because of Jesus. I know this might offend some people, but God is not interested in you apart from him. I know that's not a comfortable message because everybody likes to hear, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're all God's creation, but until you accept Jesus, you are not a child. We can all be God's creation, but we are not all God's children. That is, there was a blood price that when you pray think of it like this that God the Father the reason your prayers get to his ears is because pierced hands take the request from your lips to the ears of the Father you wouldn't be able to have a place before the Father and speak unless he came and took your place He is the, God the Father is the source, Jesus is the course, he's the one that that brings us that place, this position, but the Holy Spirit is the force of prayer, because we're praying to the source, and Jesus takes that, but the Holy Spirit is what manifests the prayers of God, and This is what happens when you start understanding, when you get alone with him, that there is a triune matrimony going on. That the Father is loving you because you're reflecting his Son's heart. That you've received his Son, and now he loves you because you love his Son. And the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus within you, And this is why if you get still with God, you can start to feel and experience the love of the whole Godhead. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes people are like, why are you just sitting there? It's because I'm getting loved by the God of the ages. (laughs) It's like, you know, if you, this is why the enemy attacks the mind. Because if he can get your mind too busy, uh, when you're, When you allow your mind to run, you inhibit your heart to bow. There's a reason God made us this way, that our mind is above our heart because you have to bring your mind down. Your mind has to bow in order for your heart to be exalted. You have to make the choice that my mind's not gonna dictate my relationship with God. My heart is. And I'm gonna renew my mind to go this course. And the Godhead all throughout that In Genesis 1, you read it and you go through that it says that in the beginning was God. And when he was there in the beginning, it says that the the earth was, was void and dark. And it said that the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, hovering over this situation. But the Holy Spirit wasn't doing anything. He was just hovering. And God was there. And what is Jesus he is the Word. When God said, let there be light, that Word, the Holy Spirit then breathed on that Word, and then we saw creation begin. We saw where everything happened. This is, the, this is how the Godhead works. But the prayer that God desires is that you would realize That you have been bought with a price by Christ, that you've been purchased by him. And what happens in prayer is you now want to dive into the heart of God through prayer and find out what he desires. So that way you can pull the desires of his heart out and then speak it with your mouth because the Holy Spirit is only going to sign off what originated from the heart of God, not your mind. This is the prayer he desires. This is why people wonder sometimes, why is my prayers just don't get answered? Well, maybe it didn't originate in the heart of God and you're only praying through selfishness and through teachings that have indoctrinated you to think you can just tell God to do whatever you want him to do instead of realizing God is looking for a people that love him radically so that way he can can shine through those that are humbly bowed before him, and are willing to represent him. Amen? So when we have talked about Ephesians, this power that's at work within us is the Holy Spirit bringing forth us to know the love of Christ. And it's amazing that when God created man, that it said that sin caused what? Adam and Eve to hide. They didn't want anything to do with God. When you continue to allow sin in your life, you will... You will try just because of the nature of sin. Sin will force you away from God because anything of this world is at war with God. So the more you entertain sin, the more you will naturally, because of the consequences of sin, you will try to avoid God at all costs. And the way that you have and you'll come up with your own. But the Holy Spirit, everyone say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit we find in Revelation twenty two seventeen. 17, so the very beginning of the book, we find sin is driving man away from God in their carnal minds. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to come in on the inside of us, it says in Revelation 22, 17, it says that the spirit and the bride say, come, because nobody can teach you to love Jesus like the Holy Spirit nobody can teach you you know what's even more proof of that Peter before the Holy Spirit he just knows Jesus and he's trying to do his best and he says I'll never deny you and Jesus says you will before the rooster crows you'll deny me three times he says no I won't no I won't and he says and what does he do he ends up denying the Lord he ends up falling right on his face but God still sees him and brings him through and then after the Holy Spirit falls on him in Acts chapter 2, he's the first one to preach the gospel. And it says in church history that he was willing to be crucified upside down because he did not want to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus because he thought that that would be an insult. What took place? The Holy Spirit changed his, his life to the point where no longer was he trying to self-will please God, but he, through prayer and through understanding who Jesus was, through this lens that G- he walked with Jesus for three and a half years, but his greatest growth took place when the Holy Spirit dwelt on the inside of him. There are some people that think, if Jesus was here and I could walk with him, but Jesus even said this, it is better that I go. Because if I don't go, you'll just worship a physical man like most churches do today. Jesus actually says it's better that I go so you don't have celebrity Christianity. He said I got to go so that way the Holy Spirit will live in you and you'll learn to cultivate a relationship with me alone. Because what did, what did Jesus say when he was teaching them how to pray? He says when you go and pray Shut the door behind you and get alone with me in secret. This is this is so precious. And we have to understand when Jesus did say when we pray, pray our Father, He wasn't, He wasn't, when, when He taught them how to pray, He didn't say, All right, now um, I'm gonna show each one of you individually how to pray. He said, when you pray, pray our Father. What is he trying to say? He's saying that every time we pray, we have to pray like Jesus is praying with us. Because when he taught him how to pray, he said, when you pray, you pray our Father. So if you pray without the mindset that you're praying with Jesus to the Father, you're going to miss it completely. You're not praying alone to the Father. Jesus says, when you pray to him, he's only going to listen to you because I'm standing here with you. He's our father now. You're my, my, my little bro or my little sis? We're going after him together. When you pray, this is the prayer he desires. The prayer he desires is a Godhead relationship in this matrimony of prayer. Are you guys getting this? Is is helping everyone. Now, now Matthew 13, I just want to hit a few scriptures. I've been giving you a lot of scriptures in case anybody's wondering why we haven't, I, my Bible is open and I'm telling you the Bible, I promise. It's, I want it to flow out, amen, because it is not okay for opinion to come forth from, from, God's, from God's church. We don't need opinion. We need, we need him to just manifest in our midst all the way through, amen. So Matthew 13 Verse 44, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This is what Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like. He's saying it's like a man that went and he found treasure. And then he got that treasure and then he hid it but he, he realized that where he found that treasure, he's like, well, if I found that treasure there, there must be more. And if there's more, this treasure is so precious that I'm going to give up everything I have to buy this field. And why am I bringing this up when it comes to prayer? Because you'll hear Jesus even say, seek, find. He'll talk about knock. He'll talk about ask. But the Bible is very clear about Seeking that in prayer, we sometimes come with all of our preconceived notions that we're not seeking anything but exactly what we want instead of seeking him. Seeking him. And and here's the thing about seeking him is he knows what you need. So you're like, well, that's not productive because this is what I need right now. But you're, you're actually insulting him because you're saying he doesn't know what you need. And you think that if I don't get out everything that I, that I need to say that you need. But I'm here to tell you that if you just get alone with him. And we've heard people say, I can't remember which minister said this, but I love it. He said, if I only had 10 minutes to pray, I'd worship for nine minutes. And what he's saying is that I'd rather magnify who he is so I know who I'm speaking to before I just start ripping things off. No Who we're speaking to. And here's the thing about seeking is that this is all as if the word revelation, you all need to understand that that even when a minister, like say I say something, sometimes people could hear a quote and they're like, Oh, that was really good, or that was but I want you to know that revelation is not just a catchy phrase. Revelation is a lesson you learn between you and God through experiencing life with him, seeking him, that there's a price to revelation. You could sit under the greatest teachers and get no revelation. You could sit under the greatest men of God and get no revelation and just worship their mantle and never truly realize who he is because revelation is so costly. Hear me tonight. What do I mean by that is how do you know you get revelation or you're hearing from God? It's because you'll seek And the way you'll know you got revelation is because when you find it, everything has to change. It's not everything feels better. That may happen. I'm not here to say it won't, but when you seek and you find, if you really found him, everything has to change. If everything can stay the same, you just found a good little quote. You just found a nice little hallmark phrase. You just found something that'll make a couple people say, oh, I'll get a couple likes for that post or, or whatever. But revelation will cost you. Revelation will embarrass you sometimes because some of my greatest moments with the Lord have been at me repenting for missing it, for misgauging life, for mismeasuring life, abusing, gauging what is him and what is what I think is best. And this will happen to all, and this is why there's nothing more important than staying grounded in Christ, knowing that this is what you can bank on more than anything, is that when I pray, I'm speaking to my father because of Jesus who I get to pray with and share. And the Holy Spirit, once I find more of this real, the Holy Spirit will manifest what is the deepest part of God's heart for my life through me as I continue to search. This is almost so deep. I'm praying the words come out that you hear this. Are you, is, are you kind of tracking with me? That God wants us to get into his heart and pull out our purpose, not the purpose we want based off what America has told us we should celebrate and what is the coolest thing and what is success. Because if you pursue wealth more than you pursue God, your life will amount to nothing. I'm not here to say wealth is, wealth is amazing and it's for the kingdom of God, but the way that America is driven, they pursue everything And just tag God's name to it and say I'm a conservative. I'm not a conservative. I'm a Christian that believes in the morals of the Bible. And if it happens to line that way, that's fine. But I'm not waiting on a political savior. My savior has come and he's asking me and asking us to manifest his kingdom to this earth. Are you hearing me? So when it comes, seek, find and I want you also to know there's a difference. The opposite of revelation is rebellion. Okay? Where revelation is low, rebellion is high. Where revelation is low, rebellion is high. This means that those that don't want to pay the price to seek God, to go the extra miles, they will naturally rebel against everything. And I want you all to know that that we all saw COVID come out of nowhere, right? That just came out of nowhere. The what you can, Any way you want to spin it, however it was, you could say, no matter what it was, it shut the whole planet down just like that. And I'm here to tell you that if, if you read your Bible, there's worse on the horizon, not because of God, but because of man, because of what has become. And if you don't prepare yourself and you're seeking him, and I'm not trying to tell you to seek him to put fear in you. You want to seek him because you love him. Because that's where the greatest that's where the greatest revelation is found. So are you, are you tracking? So uh when we're speaking of rebellion and revelation, it's important that we we get that in our heart. And I'm just making sure. So if you turn with me to James chapter 5, and then we'll just We'll hit these final things. But do you understand how important it is that we know the word, that we know the Lord? I want to encourage everybody in here. You you cannot live off just listening to sermons. You You have to get the word of God in your heart. You need to memorize it. I believe I heard Eric Gilmore say this, and it always stuck with me. He says that reading the word is like tasting food, but meditating on the word is like digesting it. And I love that because we have a major problem with we just want to hear other people bring the, we'd rather, we'd rather a whole bunch of different people tell us what the Bible says than hear what God says for himself alone. Read the Bible and have the greatest teacher of all reveal scripture to you, to reveal his heart to you, amen? amen. So when it comes to the Godhead, I want you to see, <laughs> I always just, uh, Help me, Lord. As we were about to read this, if you go to verse thirteen of James chapter five, I want to remind you it'll we it will when we're talking about tasting the word, tasting things. I want you to know it will never taste like heaven if you use the world's ingredients. It will never taste like heaven if you use the world's ingredients. And what is the church's, what is the body of Christ doing so much? We need more of the world. We need more because that's what works. That's what works. Jesus never gave a rip about what worked. He only did the Father's work. He only did what the Father told him to say. Even if everybody walked away from him. Even if everybody said no to him. Jesus died for people that would never bow their knee to him in this life. His love is so boundless. It's so challenging. And it's the only God, capital G. He's the only one that loves in such a way that he demonstrates it freely, that he doesn't just ask us to do something he did not do himself. God, you just don't understand. Oh, you better read your Bible. He totally understands. In fact, he understands it more than you do. He's even took the pain of it. He embraced the pain. And this first verse here, I I love I just we might only camp right here, and that's fine. I just love this verse. Is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Just stop right there. I know that's not even the whole verse. Is anyone among you suffering? Let them seek counsel. Is anyone among you suffering? Let them seek just good advice. Is anyone among you suffering? Let them just go to a sauna. Is anyone among you suffering? Just treat yourself. You know, just, <laughs> just go and, uh, you know, is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Why? Because Jesus came as a suffering servant. And whenever you're suffering, there is only one that knows exactly what you're going through there's only one that knows even somebody in this life that's experienced something similar we sometimes will gravitate towards them they still don't know as much as he does in fact sometimes it can be dangerous to get around a lot of people that have the same things because you might coddle the same bondages sometimes you need to break through and get alone with him And you need to hear what he has to say because Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 are always my favorite verses. It says, says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in a time of need. That means that we don't have a high priest that screws up. We don't have a high priest that talks behind our back. We don't have a high priest that thinks he's better than us. We have a high priest that went through everything that we did so that we could experience him, experience what this is. I, I, Alan Hood shared a message, and I shared it with a few people. But he brought up, did you know that this is? there's no tears in heaven? There's no tears in heaven. But did you know that since we can cry here, our tears are a gift to God. That sometimes in prayer that God wants to move us to such a place of tears and prayer, because we can't, we can't give tear offerings in heaven. There's no tears in heaven that He moves us to such a place that, that uh, I like to think of uh, tears as liquid revelation. It's, it's heart water. It's coming out and it's, it's, it's declaring something that my words can't even say. And God brings this. But there's something special about praying. And uh, Nate brought this up at the beginning of service, something we've been talking about. That when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, has anybody ever heard in Jude, it says pray in the Holy Spirit. Or people have heard praying in the Spirit. A lot of times when people immediately think of praying in the Spirit, they immediately think of tongues. And tongues is an expression and it's a gift. To the, to the body of Christ, amen? We believe in speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, but praying in the Spirit is not just praying in tongues. How do I know that? Because when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he didn't teach them to pray in tongues. But what did he say? When you pray, pray, our Father, and what does the Spirit cry out within us? Galatians 4, 7, Romans 8, 15. It says, Our spirits cry out, Abba, Father. So that means that when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he taught them to pray in the Spirit. Because praying in the Spirit is acknowledging Father. It's acknowledging an unshakable relationship. That, That there won't be a time you pray and God hangs up on you because of your relationship with Jesus. Amen. Now, this is, I want you to hear this aspect That when it comes to prayer, that Jesus prayed specifically three times on the cross, okay? Now, just think about this. If you are suffering the most excruciating pain known to man, we're talking about the most excruciating thing, would you be taking time to pray for other people? you would probably be saying, God, get me off of this thing. God, take this away. God, God, what, what, Father. When Jesus was on the cross, he prays three times. He said multiple things on the cross. He said seven things on the cross, but there was five, there was three times it specifically he prayed. And I want, I want you to see something here about is anyone suffering among you, let them pray. When Jesus was on the cross, the first prayer he prayed was Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I'll give you the references if you're taking notes. that He says that right in Luke 23, 34. So what is he doing on the cross? In his most excruciating moment of pain, he is praying for the ones that are giving him the pain. The ones that are bringing the pain to him, he's using... His precious oxygen on a cross to pray for the ones that are bringing the pain to him. There's people in this room that your family is bringing pain to you. Is that real? Co-workers, people you know, bringing pain to you. And you could even say, I don't deserve this. I've been better. Did Jesus deserve it? Now hear this out. I want you to hear that, that. Think about this. He prays three times his first prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm going to skip the second one to make a point. The third prayer he prays is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And that reference, I just want you to make sure, just so you know, that that's Luke 23, 46. So the first prayer he prayed is what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the final prayer, the third prayer was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know the second prayer he prayed? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's interesting is that he starts out on the cross praying for those bringing him pain, praying to the Father. He ends by releasing himself to the Father, but in the middle is when he became sin for us and he had to call, he couldn't call him Father anymore, he had to call him God because he had become us. But this is where sometimes I think we miss it in Christianity that we say Jesus took everything for me, I'm I'm good. And there's truth in that, but I want you to see, Jesus told all of us to take up our cross, right? So did he at any point say, you don't have to do that now, it's all good? No. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't read that note. I didn't see Jesus say that, you know, I take backsies on that one. Like, it, it was the fact that he said, take up your cross and follow me. And then we hear Paul and we hear Peter and we hear imitate me as I imitate him. Now I want to make one point before I make the final that Jesus in his most excruciating pain is interceding for those bringing him pain. When he gives his spirit up to go to the father what is he doing in heaven right now? He's praying at the right hand of the father so whether he's at his lowest point or his now highest point he is still praying for us because That is his joy. Prayer is not just a little thing I do for fun or a little. Prayer is who he is. That in his lowest point of being tortured to his highest point, being next to the right hand of the Father, he chooses to intercede. And this is why when you pray, you should pray our father, because I want to tune into what he's praying for me. So that way I can find what's in the heart of God. So that way the Holy Spirit can bring the purpose that is actually mine to me. And I don't keep living a frustrated life trying to find my identity in this twisted world. Is this helping you? This can help you. Tonight, you can get alone with him. You don't need a conference. You can go home tonight and say, I'm going to get alone with the almighty God. Is your prayer life to seek advice or the almighty? Do you want advice or do you want him? Because he will give you all of it. Don't limit him. So here's the main prayer. When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's go through it again. First prayer, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Then he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the third thing is, is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So what happened right there? We know theologically he became sin. But I want you to look at this a different way if we're supposed to imitate him. He starts his prayers out by praying for others. And praying for where there is an absence of God and an absence of heaven, what his desire is. And because he prays that, God makes him become that. You got to hear this that because he prayed for them to be forgiven, God made him forgiveness. You want to shake the city? You want to see heaven come to earth? God's got to make you that. That's going to cost you everything. This is why a lot of people want to come hear good messages and feel good, but they don't want to become an answer. They just want to receive their little answers and go home. But when you follow him, there is something, but but it sounds like I'm, and I want to make this clear, like it sounds like I'm trying to tell you, and I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it at a place of a command or something, but I'm here to tell you that once you see how good he is, and you see his love, you say, make me into whatever you want. This is why Jesus on the cross is able to say, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and in the next moment is saying, "Father, or, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then a few seconds later, he says, Father. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Because he became it. But he became it in prayer and suffering. We want to skip the suffering part. But the suffering that, that you may be experiencing through people that are bringing suffering to you. And you're like, why is this happening? I'm here to tell you that you're in good company. And that he will shield you. He will he will show you his heart, he'll show you who he really is in that and we could go through the rest of this, but I, I really feel the anointing on on this and the worship team if they could come I just want I just want to share that when it comes to this that there is a God that that doesn't just say deal with it but he dealt with it and he wants you to come into communion with him there he is coming back for a bride, and he wants to see a bride that reflects the heart of his son. What does that mean? He's looking for a people that are so willing to, to get in the furnace of his love and allow things to become what they need to. And, when, and let me just read the rest of this. Just, it says, let him sing psalms if anyone is cheerful. Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Did you know why it says this? It's it's to bring order that true healing comes through submission. That if, you, if there's somebody that is dealing with sickness in the house, we believe in healing. Do we believe our God heals? We believe that he can do it right now. And I believe we're going to start seeing healing manifest more in our midst the more we become him. The more we allow him to. We want when God sees this room. When God comes to our gatherings, we know that he lives on the inside of us, but when his glory rests here, we want, the reason his glory rests is because he sees that there's a people willing, willing to be moved by him. Because here's the thing is that if, if God doesn't move your heart, how can he move through you? If God doesn't move your heart, how can he move through you? If, if the cross, if you think you know the cross, if you think you've heard that sermon before, how can he move through you? If you allow your mind to think I've retained information, but I haven't experienced the price of revelation. Because every time I look at the cross again, I realize there's a higher price to pay. I realize he paid the price for my sin, and he paid the price for my salvation, but I'm still here for a reason. And it's so that I could, I could be the reward that he purchased, not just coast through and say, thank you, Jesus. We're on a mission here. If we wanna see things change, it's gonna come from a people that say, I lay it all down, I lay it all down, amen. And then it goes on to say and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much in this room if you are dealing with an ongoing sin you need to find a brother in the house or a sister in the house that you see here regularly that you trust and you need to confess it do you know why? You're like, but that's embarrassing. Why would I do that? No, because the Bible says that healing comes from it. This is not just like trying to give somebody a duty. This is me saying that if you're dealing with ongoing sin, you know, I'm thankful there are people in this room. And, and Sean, you know, I, I, I love you, man. And you know, one of the things is that, you know, Sean has been vulnerable with me. He would come to me and share, I'm going through this. And you know what? don't we text all the time and we share things with you and you're doing way better now than you were a year ago and things like that because there's people that stay consistent and they're vulnerable they're willing to share where they're at and let God do a work amen and I know I'm I'm reading here but then it says when it says the prayer of a fervent or the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know what a lot of people think of when they hear this is like, oh God, you gotta do it. You gotta, and they think of somebody like sweating and going all after it. And that, you know, there are times that you gotta contend. And can I share something real quick? Like when we do corporate prayer, can can you all make sure you're here? Just, and the reason is, is because we're not coming to hear a speech. We're coming to just connect with his heart, what we're talking about tonight. And there's something special that when we're in a room and we're corporately praying, sometimes it'll be silent. And then the next thing, somebody's like, we're going to take the city, Jesus. And all of a sudden we're like, yeah. And, and we need that because that's what the body of Christ is, is that sometimes we're resting in his presence. And then in the next one, somebody's saying, we're going after it. And we're like, we need both because that's why it's the expressions of his presence. And that's why we need each other because sometimes some of you are too restful. And then other times people work too much. And if if we could just get, if we get come together. That's what happens in corporate prayer. Is we learn the waves of His glory, the grooves of His grace. And and when it says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I love this example. You know why? <laughs> Because when we think of Elijah, we think that Elijah was just like, you know, this powerful man that just said, it's not going to rain. First off, why is that a cool prayer request? Because it wasn't his request. The reason why it says that Elijah is compared to a righteous man that avails much is because Elijah didn't pray what he wanted. He found out what God was saying and he released it into the earth. So the prayer of a righteous man that avails much is not one that is just says, I'm righteous, I can get whatever I want from God because of where I stand with him. It's one that hears what he's saying and releases it out of his mouth. That's what it is. And if you read Elijah's prayer, it's one verse. First King 1 Kings 17.1, one verse. He heard from the Lord and said, it's not going to rain. <laughs> and we hear that he prayed fervently. He prayed for about one second. Because it's not about how long you pray. It's just, did you hear him or not? The length of your prayer does not determine the results. Did you listen determines the fruit. So many times we're we're more worked up on what we should say than posturing our hearts to listen. And you gotta get this, we wanna take classes on how we can pray better, and I think we need to take classes on how to listen. Come to corporate prayer, sit in the seat, listen. Get alone with God, three hours. Stick to it, three hours just sitting there? Hey, that'll be the best investment of your time. You don't think it would, but when you listen to Alan Hood and Corey Russell, did you know Alan Hood and Corey Russell sat in prayer rooms for six hours a day for 20 years. One of my favorite stories they told me is that they would be sitting in a prayer room together. Listen, they would sit in a prayer room and they were sitting there, six hours. They're writing notes and praying. At the end of the time, they were like, did you feel that? Did you sense that? And they're, they're weeping. They, sh- they start sharing each other's notes. They wrote verbatim without talking. They wrote the same thing. And they were convinced that an angel stood between them and put his hand on their shoulders. So that they could hear from heaven clearly. But this comes from investing time. Getting alone and hearing what he's saying. And this is what, I don't want to be a part of a church that's just all about hype and just trying to get you know, Jesus said I just need 12 and that's actually an overstatement, he only needed 11 and a devil John 6 tells us that Jesus said "I haven't I not chosen all 12 of you and one of you is a devil, Jesus said out of his own mouth, that Jesus can get his plan, Jesus can change the entire earth with 11 people and a devil it's not about how many people, it's just about listening, and positioning. This is the prayer he desires. This is help anyone tonight.